आहे आय एम दीपक अँड यू लिस्निंग टू द मिनिंग क्वेश्चन अ प्लेस वेअर वी सेलिब्रेट ह्युमन पोटेन्शियल थ्रू पर्सनल स्टोरीज टॉक्स अँड कन्वर्सेशन्स ऑन मिनिंग टुडे वी आर गोईंग टू टॉक अबाउट समथिंग विच इज ऑल अराउंड अस लार्जर अँड ओल्डर दॅन अस and which has a dramatically different expression of life <laughs> trees today we have with us dr laura pusafi a writer creative and integral ecologist who has examined trees and their relationship with us in western philosophical tradition let us find out can trees give meaning to life has trees given meaning to her life hi laura welcome to the meaning question podcast thank you deepak and i'm super excited to discuss today with you and as i understand you something you are really passionate about is trees why <laughs> yes um well it's my pleasure to be on the podcast with you today and yes my research is around trees and specifically relationships our human relationships with trees from the western paradigm and how we've come to be in the relationship with trees planet wide that we we have i think i've always been fascinated by trees and who they are what they bring and um, i i grew up surrounded by trees i was lucky enough to to have that experience and and when i was looking for a research topic i really wanted to study so many things i wanted to study philosophy and um metaphysics and i wanted to study um, social issues and i wanted to study the environment and and ecological issues and and so when i kind of looked for topics trees were one of the things that i could really study all of those things i could look at trees and look at the mythology the history the the philosophy like the ways that we've looked at trees and then i could look at the social issues like who has access to trees and those kinds of things and so many environmental issues there are so many things around uh, deforestation and trees are very important with climate change and species extinction so i was able to look at at all of these issues um, kind of through the prism of a tree if that makes sense yeah i mean I understand why why trees but why did you choose trees it's is there any personal story behind that about your infatuation with trees well i mean i think in some ways you know the trees kind of <laughs> asked for it i know that sounds um silly but but yeah i mean i woke up one morning and it was like ah if i if i study trees i can i can study all of the the different things that i'm i'm interested in so um it, there was there was a little bit of a kind of dreamlike quality to it as well <laughs> of coming into to studying trees and um yeah i mean i think i've i've been lucky enough to be around some really amazing trees when i was in south carolina there's a a tree called the angel oak mm. that um is a this kind of famous tree actually um and when i was in college there was a big move to to conserve that that whole area 
because of the ways that trees are interconnected. And so I wasn't directly involved with that campaign, but it really impacted me and uh, made me think differently about trees. And, um, wow. and then coming out to California, I think too, just being around redwoods and being around the oak woodlands and uh, it's uh, kind of a magical place to be um, for any of your listeners or for you who, who have gotten a chance to, to be out among the redwoods and the, the mists. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think these are the places where we lose ourselves to find new, new eras. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And when you were talking about the trees, I don't know, I somehow sense it's like something like tree of life or tree of knowledge because you feel that it was just accumulation of everything what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where my research has, has led me, um, that kind of trees are our beings. They're valuable beings and they are, they have their own way of livingness and way of interacting in the world. And they have, um, so uh, the science is showing so many connections between trees and the other, other trees in the forest and other beings, the insects and birds and uh, the fun, the fungi, the mycorrhizal networks. So there's, there's real science that kind of backs up this idea that yeah, kind of this, this mythological idea of the tree of knowledge um, is really true in a way of every tree. Yeah. Can, you, can you say something more about it, like about the intelligence or what word you use for that and how is it relevant from a scientific paradigm? Yeah, so over the last maybe 15 years or so, a lot of new work in biology and plant studies has emerged that's shown so many new things about trees and plants. So, for example, in, starting actually in the 90s, uh, there's a researcher in Canada named Suzanne Simard who studies the mycorrhizal networks in forests. And she's the one who's really showing that trees are communicating, that there are hub trees or what she calls mother trees that mm -hmm. actually will support other trees in the forest. So it's what she calls the or what, what has been called in the media, the wood wide web. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then there are really other, there are other fascinating experiments that have been going on. So for example, they're with pea plants, they're showing that um, the plants themselves actually know which roots are genetically identical to their own roots and which are not, where the, the pea plants will actually compete um, more intensively with roots that are not genetically identical. It's actually wow. called self non-self discrimination. And then another one that's really fascinating that I find um, to be one of the most incredible is that plants will actually, so they've done this with pea plants and with the plant Mimosa pudica, which is the shy plant that will actually, it will kind of close its leaves if disturbed. Uh, that anesthetics actually affect these plants. So they've put anesthetics both through the roots and then kind of gaseously through the leaves and shown that the movement that these plants have, which is um, for the pea plant and the mimosa pudica, much faster than other plants. Um, 
comparatively, so it's not very fast to us, but mm -hmm. the pea plant will kind of rotate a little bit and then the mimosa pudica will close its leaves that with the anesthetics, these motions stop. So in the scientific literature, they're actually calling it a loss of consciousness. Oh, wow. Um, which, of course, there are many questions around consciousness and very few researchers are using that terminology, but there is a pretty intense um, conversation around what terminology to use. So initially, there was a researcher, um, Anthony Troavis, who proposed um, plant intelligence, and others argued against that. So plant intelligence has been proposed, plant cognition has been proposed, um, plant consciousness has been proposed, even plant neurobiology has been proposed, which received a lot of pushback. And so the, the terminology that is currently accepted in scientific circles is plant signaling and behavior, um, which there are journals that um, kind of use that terminology. Um, yeah. And what would you prefer? That's a good question. Um, I, plant intelligence is, is the word that I have, have been using because I think, I think an expanded definition of, of intelligence makes the most uh, sense to me. And if they're intelligent, then are they conscious? I, you know, in my work, I actually remain agnostic about the whether or not they're conscious, partly because consciousness itself um, is so contested. Philosophers really don't have a good definition of consciousness yet. And um, there are many people who have proposed different definitions, but it's, it's so hard to pin down what consciousness is. So I, I think, um, I think it's, it's possible, but I, I really like the word intelligence because mm. I define intelligence as the capacity to assess the environment and mm. choose from among potentialities, mm. um, which I think widely um, applies to life. And I think that that's, um, you know, I, I can feel like I can support that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you use the word beings for them. So it, it seems like you consider them as intelligent beings. Yes, definitely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And why do you think connection with them for us humans is important? Well, I, so my study was focused on the Western paradigm, mm -hmm. which um, broadly is kind of the European lineage um, and American lineage, which has, of course, been uh, disseminated around the world through colonialism. And, um, and starting with Plato and Aristotle, the Greek philosophers, um, they really created a hierarchy of humans, animals, and plants, with humans on top and plants at the bottom, as, as they're they're almost they're considered living, um, but er, for example, Aristotle says they ha they have entirely no movement, um, which isn't scientifically. So I think that relationship between trees and humans in it, thinking of them as intelligent beings, as valuable beings, that our relationship would change drastically. And I think that that's one way to think differently about the environmental situation, the environmental movement. Mm -hmm. uh, our, one of the um, contemporary writers, Joanna Macy, um, who's a 
an environmentalist and Buddhist systems thinker, talks about three different things that need to happen for environmental change. So she talks about um, holding actions, which is activism, and structural change, which is policy change, and also consciousness shift. So I think I'm really working on this consciousness shift place where if, if in the Western paradigm we can see trees differently, and there are lots of cultures around the world that, that do see non-human beings differently, including mm. trees, uh, that that would change our relationships, that that would change our actions towards them. So you, you are asking for or dismantling this hierarchical structures which somehow proposed by Aristotle around 2,500 years ago to become a more connected network of humans and the trees? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> and how can we develop that connection? I really think that it's spending time with plants and trees. So throughout my research, I spent a lot of time in the forest and just um, took took the time to be there. And I used a, what's called a phenomenological approach, mm-hmm. um, which is also coming from Western philosophy, but I think that it's um, it, it seeks to kind of um, limit preconceptions and judgments and approach things in the world anew. Hmm. So when I went into the forest, I really sought to approach the trees in the forest anew with a fresh mind um, as much as possible. And that's where I came to the idea of trees as intelligent and valuable beings, um, just spending time with them. So I, I think I would encourage anyone to just spend time in the forest or, you know, with any trees that are around or um, plants that are around if there are, aren't trees readily available. Not everyone has access to the forest. Hmm. Um, Can you share an ex- experience when you are in the forest and you really feel connected to a tree? That's a great question. Um, I think I think one of the things that I noticed when I was walking through the forest is that it's it's not about every single tree is the same, or you know, kind of going up and sharing your life story with a tree. You wouldn't go up to a human and share your life story without knowing them. It's it's it is a process of getting to know the tree. So I think in in the forest, there's a particular redwood that um, that I had encountered a few times. And during my research, I found myself going back to this tree again and again. Um, and one of, the, one of the experiences that I had with this particular tree that I related in my dissertation was uh, kind of approaching. Mm. And, and you know, this tree was, where was this tree? It's in California. Yeah, um, yeah in near, near my house in the Bay Area. Um, and uh, I realized that I had to approach the tree. I mean, I know this sounds simple <laughs> and like something that, you know, is, is obvious, but the more that I thought about it, the less obvious it was mm-hmm. that the, the being of the tree is, is such that I have to approach it. And so my experience of a tree is always um, tempered or, um, you know, created around this idea of um, approaching the tree, mm-hmm. that the tree stands in place and I, I come to it. So the way that I choose to come to it um, mm. affects my experience. Mm. Um, 
I I just love the way of what you are saying about approaching. You know, this is this is just being aware of what we are doing in our daily lives. And if you're walking past the tree in a forest, then we are approaching some beings around that. Right, and and I think it's. I think it's mysterious. Why, why did I choose that tree rather than another? Um, and, and I think that that is part of why I have come to the conclusion that trees are, are individual beings in that, that way, that mm. they're, um, you know, not kind of nature out there, this kind of green expanse that each tree is individual and, and has its place, has its, relationships some are really obvious to trees and insects and hmm. you know the stream nearby or whatever but others are are almost invisible to us hmm. um, and we have almost no idea about about these relationships or how they work or what hmm. they are and so hmm. I, that brings me to you know kind of the idea of respect hmm. so when i approach this this being you know how can i how can i do that from a place of respect hmm. um, rather than kind of it's like, oh yeah, this is a tree, so I can do whatever I want. Um, and when you talk about the respect, you know, there is another truth around that is trees have a utilitarian perspective or uh, uh, they are used to make houses, they are being used to make paper and medicinal purposes. Then how do we balance that? Yeah, I mean, this is a difficult question. And I think... Um, you know, in so far, the idea has been, oh, well, they're just trees. We can use them however we want. Um, you know, most people don't even think about the fact that their houses, many houses are made out of wood. Hmm. And so you're actually surrounded by trees. Hmm. Um, and I, I really believe that there is a way for us to kind of respectfully take plants and trees, um, that it's that that's part of their relationship. That um, there is research that um, plants do better when they're kind of used by humans and in in that kind of relationship. Um, mm. But it's not about kind of clear cutting an entire forest. Mm. It's it's about how how do we um, work with the forest to take the right trees. There's a, there's a woodworker um, uh, who worked in Pennsylvania. He's passed at this point, George um, Nakashima, who um, had forest land, would go into the, the forest, cut a tree, and then make beautiful furniture. So he would say that the first life of the tree was in the forest, and then the second life of the tree was in the furniture itself mm. and that it was an immortal life because the tree could be in relationship to the humans as the furniture potentially forever and his furniture was meant to be used for generations and so i think that's an example of kind of that this respectful taking where it's not oh yeah let's clear cut an entire forest and then um hmm. you know use it cheaply but really it's, it's a being, it's a life. We're taking a life. Let's recognize that. And then, you know, create, create things from that, create um, 
things that we can use for generations. Hmm. And, you know, from an ecology perspective, it makes sense because there's a link between the carbon dioxide and the oxygen cycle, which we have in the tree. And uh, because of the deforestation, the climate change is happening around that. Do you have any or do you want to share any perspective around that? Yeah, it's very complex. Um, Trees sequester carbon. So they take carbon out of the atmosphere. um, And it, it is... Deforestation is uh, deeply intertwined with um, colonialism and uh, the legacy of colonialism and other um, issues worldwide, um, economics, those kinds of things. And I, yeah, and I don't have time to kind of unpack all of that. And I feel like I, there's much more that I could also understand about how that all works. Um, But it really seems like all of the the UN uh, Food and Agricultural Organization reports on the state of the world's forests, they release different reports every two years and every five years, uh, are showing that trees are almost um, beneficial for the environment. Um, there are some cases where that's uh, not necessarily true, where there are tree farms, um, with the human health and environment, but so many of the UN sustainability goals revolve around trees and forests. They, um, and there are people around the world who are dependent on forests for their livelihoods. So this is really a planetary issue. Um, at this point, we, the planet, planet-wide, about 50% of uh, forests have been destroyed. Mm. So, uh, and there, there are places like in the United States and in other places around the world where afforestation is occurring. Trees are um, being planted, so there are more trees. Um, but as of 2015, the world is losing something like 3.3 million hectares every year. Mm. Um, that's a net. So that's not even the gross of what we're losing, but that's something like the size of Maryland. And uh, and that's what we're losing every year since 2010. And we are awaiting a new report in 2020. So um, it's going down. The rate of deforestation is going down since its peak in the 80s and 90s. But we're still losing more than we're gaining. Hmm. So, and, and you want to contribute to this movement of, uh, of, of just climate change and connection with the trees through making people shifting as you said the shifting the consciousness of the people on why trees are important and what's our relationship to that or right and i I mean trees are everywhere they're really once you start seeing them they're really everywhere not only are they in our buildings and so many food sources um, but they're in medicines they're in toothpaste and the corks and the bottles of wine are from from trees um so many, so many things, items come from trees. Mm. So um, it seems like a place where where we can bring mindfulness is um, one word to to our purchases, to our ways of living that could make an impact around the world mm. to climate change. So. Mm. And and just. Uh, taking from there, how can we bring mindfulness to our relationship with the trees? 
you mentioned one of the things is approaching the tree. Are there any other suggestions you would like to share? Yeah, I think mindfulness is possible in, in many ways. Um, it could be doing a mindfulness practice um, in the forest itself. So kind of really on the ground, you know, in the moment mindfulness. Um, or it could be a mindfulness around purchases. There's um, a forest stewardship council that certifies sustainably produced wood. So whenever possible, buying FSC certified products. Um, it could be just noticing where in your life trees show up. Um, to me, it's, it's incredible. Not only, not only are there kind of very obvious places where, um, at least in, in uh, kind of American and European homes, furniture tends to be a big piece or you know, many homes are built out of wood, but um, even when something's not built out of wood, often there's a veneer that looks like wood. Hmm. Um, so just kind of becoming aware of those things um, as well. Yeah, and I think that's where the being mindful of our relationship with the trees, either in our daily usage or in our connection, could be a key. Even though, even though it seems it's small, but even if if every one of us wants, or if, if every one of us develop that relationship with a tree, I don't think we'll have that problem of climate change to that extent we are having. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I've noticed since I've been doing this work, that almost every time I speak, people come up and have these great stories about trees that they love, or um, really sad stories of where they grieved a tree that had to be cut down or um, was taken down for whatever reason. And they're very, I mean, almost charismatic in a way, trees, they, um, people have really deep connections to them. And I've, I've really been struck by those stories almost every time I've, I've spoken about, about my work. Hmm. And how it has changed your story, this connection with the tree? I really think it's changed um, so much. The, I feel like I um, have really slowed down that I um, have kind of found a stillness and a quiet within that I didn't have before, that, um, that I've been able to kind of understand my own situation um, much better, thinking about my situation and the situation of the tree. Um, but the biggest thing is that, that kind of slow stillness that, that has come from from having a deeper relationship with trees, from you know connecting with with trees, um, and continuing that connection. Hmm. As we leave, I just want to ask you: Is there any poem or a couplet which helps you connect to the tree whenever you felt this? You feel disconnected. That's a great question, and I I have so many great quotes um, about trees, but I think my favorite, um, it's a quote from the German poet Hermann Hesse, which I'll adjust slightly for gender. Mm. Whoever has learned how to listen to trees 
no longer wants to be a tree. They want to be nothing except what they are. Whoever has learned how to listen to trees no longer wants to be a tree. They want to be nothing except what they are. Mm. It's so beautiful, Laura. And what I'm getting out of it is uh, the connection with a tree helps not only to find a new relationship, but also to find relationship with oneself. That's definitely what I found. Um, I, I think it's true in any relationship. Um, thinking about relationships with other humans, friendships, or romantic relationships, you learn so much about yourself um, in reflection on that relationship. And I think that was definitely true for me with with trees. And I think it, it can be true, you know, for anyone who really deepens into relationship with trees. William Blake said, the trees that move some to the tears of joy is in the eyes of others only a green thing that stands in a way. Laura saw trees as intelligent beings capable of connection. They not only provide us resources to survive, but also inspire our brilliance. Laura's call to develop a new relationship with the tree to find a new relationship within ourselves is critical in a new reality where the future of earth is in question. Our relationship with a tree might provide the answer.